This week's episode is made possible by After Later Audio's Heritage Line, Patchwork Seattle, and listeners like you. If you'd like to help keep these episodes coming each week, please visit patreon.com forward slash modular modcast. I want to take a second to tell you about Eschatonic Modular. Are you building your own DIY case? for shows or for traveling and need some power, well then look no further than Eschatonic Modular. I have it in my Needham Woodworks case, and it's quiet and clean. So please visit eschatonicmodular.com to learn more. I also want to tell you about Eurodesk Z, which is a company that creates products that solve real issues and help you stay focused on the creative process. I personally use the Hex 01 Professional Eurorack Cable Hanger, um, created with advanced modular synth users in mind. It is, before I had it, it was just, there was spaghetti wires everywhere. It was like an explosion of wires, and it was never, um, it was just, it was always chaotic when I was trying to patch and clean up and, and everything, but this is just makes everything so much easier and cleaner, and it looks cool. It sits right on top of a mic stand. It's a real thing of beauty. They also have a new product called Desk Stars with a Z, so you are you know I'm already on board. You pluralize things with a Z, and I'm in. Um, this is a height-adjustable equipment stand designed to support most desktop music devices, small to mid-size Eurorack cases, groove boxes, drum machines, you name it. Um, so yeah, please, go visit Eurodesk-Z.com to learn more about these amazing products. And as always, thank you, Lisa Belladonna, for this amazing track. Episode 100, Achievement Unlocked. Well, paint me purple and call me a cake topper. 100 episodes of Podular Modcast. Two years. Um, it's pretty surreal to me. It's gone by really quickly, but it also feels like I've been doing it forever. Um, I'm not going to get too uh, romantic and poetic about it because you guys know that I can I can get lost in in the sea of sentiment. But I just want to say thank you so much uh, for listening to the show. Without you, there would be no show because it would you know what would be the point. Um, also, thank you to every guest that's been on. It's been so cool. I've met so many cool people, guests, listeners, manufacturers, and have made so many friends. Um, it's it's been it's been truly one of the most amazing experiences of my life. So thank you so much for allowing it to be possible. Today to celebrate 2 years, I thought it would be cool to catch up with Cindy Reichel from Patchworks who is our first official guest on the show and also catch up with old co-host Ian. If you've been listening since the beginning, you know that Podmod started with two hosts. Um, Ian Price came along with me reluctantly. I kind of dragged him along because I needed his knowledge. Um, I started this podcast while I was maybe a few months into being a modular synthesis, so I, I knew very little about it, and I was a little insecure about that. So Ian was kind of my, uh, he was my my island I could swim to, and I felt like I was drowning. Um, but as you'll hear, he has other passions, and uh, you know, we we uh, kind of we're doing our own things, but we remained very close friends. Uh, he officiated Hannah and I's wedding, so. 
Yeah, so we're going to get to that. I also want to get to these patch challenges that I asked you for. I asked all of you listening to help me celebrate 100 episodes, and so I gave the prompt of oracular elucidation um, as the adjective and noun, and uh, y'all came out in droves. And I actually have too many to play in their entirety without making the show about three hours long, so I'm just going to be playing a couple minutes of each one and kind of throughout the show. And we're going to get to those in a moment, but I just want to take a few seconds here to give an extra special thank you to my Patreon subscribers. You guys mean the world to me. It, it really blows me away. And especially during this COVID-19 crisis, um, Patreon was a supplemental form of income for me. And because I'm out of work currently, it's become one of my primary sources of income. So thank you so much. I've been really surprised with how many people have joined up recently because I thought I would actually lose a lot of subscribers, un- understandably, because this is a very strange time. But I've actually picked up more than I lost. So if you've, if you're recently joined up, thank you. And if you've been here since the beginning, thank you. Just everybody on Patreon. Thank you. I also want to say if you have been affected by the COVID-19 crisis financially, and you are a patron, no hard feelings. If you need to cancel that, I totally understand. So I just wanted to say that. Um, also, if you are somebody out there on the front lines in the medical industry or working at grocery stores or delivery stuff, um, Thank you so much. You guys are keeping our world going. You're helping us keep uh, some semblance of normalcy and routine in this this crazy, crazy time. And as crazy as these times are, I am really trying to find a bright side and make lemonade out of all of this weirdness. And I just want to say thank you to everybody who has signed up uh, for the modular lessons that I've been giving. Not only has it helped me, um, you know, fill in the financial gaps, but actually more importantly, it's, it's given me a whole lot of purpose and, uh, like personal fulfillment. I've had a really, really good time doing it because it's combining my two passions, education and music. And uh, yeah, everybody has been has different goals and different setups, and it's just been a whole lot of fun. So if you are one of the people that have taken a lesson with me, you know who you are. Thank you so much. It's been a real blast. And if you are interested in doing that, I have some openings. Podmodcast at gmail.com. Um, yeah, send me an email, and we can get chatting about that. We're going to get into this episode really quick, but I also just want to say that a few weeks ago, I... I, you know, amid this whole shelter in place thing, I was encouraging you all to take advantage of the time and get, you know, inspired and, and start working on that album or get, you know, get that module that you haven't understood, you know, get, get your head wrapped around it or, or whatever it is. And I haven't taken my own advice. I, I actually have been uh, not very productive, uh, lately because of what's happening um and i am okay with that because you know what i see a lot of i think i think think there's a lot of pressure through social media right now for people to be uh live streaming and and creative and stuff and if you are right now and you have that burst that's great but if you were one of the people who's not feeling it and you're maybe feeling bad about that let me spin it to you this way never again in your life will you have this opportunity where the most responsible thing you can do is nothing. Take advantage of that, because we don't do that on vacation. We try to do all the stuff on vacation. We pack it in with all the stuff. We gotta see the sights. This is a very, very rare occasion. If if your biggest worry right now is being productive, just let that go. Just be a human in a house for a couple weeks and see what that's like. 
no big deal. All right, there's my pep talk. Let's get into uh, some patches. So we're going to start with my patch so we can uh, kill two birds with one stone. This is going to act as the demo today, and I'm going to be showcasing the Generate 3 from Uranalog, the Zorb filter from All Right Devices, the Metron and Volterra from WMD, and the Earthquaker devices Afterneath. Um, and I'll be using the whole Heritage line from Afterlater Audio as my modulation, including two Bosque oscillators, which are going into the two uh, FM inputs on the Generate 3. So, uh, yeah, I'm not going to tell you what I'm doing here. I just want you to enjoy it and know that your analog generate three, all right devices, Zorb, Metron, Volterra, and the Afterneath are at the core of this patch. Oracular elucidation. So there's my uh, my oracular elucidation using the Generate 3 from Uranalog and the Zorb filter from All Right Devices. Next up, we have Untilled Sound, a.k.a. Cole Bratcher, a.k.a. Hectopode. Uh, I played some of his modular metal music on an episode recently. Um, yeah. Cole has been a listener of the show, I think, since episode one. So, uh, And he's become my buddy. That's really cool. Um, so, yeah, without any further ado, Untilled Sounds, Oracular Elucidation.
Thank you, Cole, so much for submitting that. Please check out Cole's two different projects, Untilled Sound and Hectopode. Let's do one more patch submission uh, before we get into our chat, and let's do one from a previous guest, John L. Rice. Thank you, John, for submitting your oracular elucidation. Thank you, John, for your oracular elucidation. I got to say, I've been playing a lot of Breath of Fire on my Nintendo Switch, and uh, this patch has has some uh, JRPG vibes to it. I don't know about you guys. Anyways, um, let's get into our first chat with Cindy Reichel of Patchworks. Cindy is a dear friend of mine, and it was really nice to catch up with her and, and have a nice conversation with her. Um, she is on her back porch out at her country home, so uh, there's some wind that comes by her microphone, and she's doing it from her phone, so the audio quality is not the best, but, um, you know, you'll get used to it. And thank you, Cindy, so much for being uh, such an amazing supporter and friend of the show. Yeah, it's so weird. So, t- yeah, today's two years exactly that I released episode one, which was with you, which is pretty crazy yes. that it worked out that we're chatting today and congratulations on two wonderful years i can't believe it's been that long already thank you it's really flown by it's been crazy but yeah so um that's kind of what i wanted to do is just check up with you and see what's been what's been going on for the last two i mean obviously i know but you know for the listener and we can uh we can catch up on what's new in the the cindy patchworks world Yeah. So, I mean, obviously in the last two years, a lot of things have changed. Um, I feel like not just with Patrick's, but with the Seattle community as a whole, I feel like the modular community in Seattle has really grown considerably in that time. Um, And definitely, uh, I think that it will continue to do so despite the situation that we're in right now. Uh, so as far as, you know, what we're doing at the moment, um, you know, we, we kept the show, the showroom open as long as we were legally able to. And, uh, I guess last week, uh, the governor said, uh, we were no longer able to do any pickups or, uh, you know, activity, uh, with customers at the shop. So we have been closed for the last 
week, week and a half. Uh, however, we have been shipping out orders every day and we're continuing to, to function uh, as an online only shop for the time being. And however long that goes on, we're just going to keep doing that. And it's actually working out really well. So we've been able to ship out six days a week and, uh, you know, we're still putting in orders and definitely uh, keeping busy with some of the projects that we were a little bit too busy to do over the last few months that now we can really dig into. So, you know, we're looking at building up our online presence a little more, uh, adding uh, more items to our reverb store and, you know, working on more video content and uh, working on some material for some educational uh, courses that we're going to be starting to offer oh, cool. uh, either online or in person, hopefully in, <laughs> hopefully both. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, there's been a lot of demand for uh, like an intro to modular or intro to synthesis uh, type of, of course rather than, you know, just jumping right into private lessons. A lot of people want to kind of put their toe in the water and try it out by taking a, a five or six session introductory course. So we're, we're developing that during this time uh, and keeping busy. Good. So. I'm really happy to hear that. Yeah, this could be a time where it would be easy to kind of get overwhelmed and maybe lose hope, but I'm happy to hear that uh, y'all are staying positive and proactive. That's great news. Yeah, and we're you know obviously looking forward to opening again, but we're going to listen to what the governor has to say about it and, and not push it. Um, you know, we, we don't want to put our staff or our customers at risk in any way. So we're, we're just right. playing it safe. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's gotta be a fine line to balance. I've been thinking about all my friends who are, you know, who own businesses and all my friends who are module manufacturers and it's just gotta be such a, yeah, it's gotta be such a stressful thing to try to figure out. Yeah. Cause safety, but also keeping yourself afloat. It's just, yeah, it's such a weird, like unprecedented thing. We, we don't know how to handle this. It's and there's also some things I hadn't really considered. Like we've had people calling this week asking about, can I still consign items? And, you know, we're temporarily not taking consignment uh, just because we're not physically at the store to receive the product. But mm -hmm. it kind of brings up the question of like, how are, how are things like selling used gear, whether privately or, or through a consignment program, how are those process is going to change after this, you know, yeah. like, is it, we don't really know. Um, but you know, I, I, I know that people are concerned about buying a piece of gear that's come in on consignment if it hasn't been properly cleaned or sanitized right. and we don't even really know what that looks like yet. Yeah. So, little things like that, that I hadn't <laughs> even really considered until this all happened. And then it's like, Oh yeah, I didn't really think about that, but now we have to. So, you know, we won't belabor this too much, but it's like, how can you not talk about it when you're catching up with somebody? But um, I was just so, so surprised that it took Washington as long as it did to go to the lockdown that we are at currently. Like San Francisco did it yeah. and then all of California yeah. and then like a Midwestern mm -hmm. state. I forgot which one. I was kind of like, hey, Washington, winter, what's, what's going on? But yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, but on a lighter note... Um, I haven't really talked to you since you moved into your new place. How are you guys, how are you guys liking that? Yeah. So we are actually still finishing the move. So, uh, yeah. the new place is about 25 miles from our old place. So moving has been a slow process. Um, 
you know, I, even now I'm still going to the old house almost every day and just, you know, doing some cleaning and packing a, a truckload of stuff and bringing it out. But, um, we are, all the gear is now moved. We're in the process of setting up our studio here. Um, and we've been doing some live streaming, uh, you know, Monster Planet has been doing a lot of testing, uh, to see how they can collaborate, um, and do some live streams where everyone's performing at the same time, which I think the outcome of that is going to be, you know, really helpful to other people that want to do the same kind of collaborative definitely performing yeah. out of their houses during this time. So that's great. But uh, yeah, I will say, you know, with four acres of property, I have my work cut out for me as yeah. far as yard work goes. So <laughs> there's, there's no boredom or uh, stir craziness around this house. We, we are out, you know, clearing blackberries, raking leaves. Uh, I'm still riding my horses every day. And I have, uh, those are, you know, a few minutes drive away from here. But as a livestock worker, I guess we're exempt from the travel ban or quarantine, whatever. So I am permitted officially to go and ride my horses every day. So oh, seven good. days a week, I'm doing that. Oh, good. So that definitely is uh, keeping me busy and it's good exercise. And um, yeah, the house is the house is great, though. I, I feel like there's going to be uh, I can't wait until we can have everybody over. So I know. We're, we're thinking Fourth of July. I'm hoping that's not premature, right. but uh, that's the plan. It's to maybe try to do a Fourth of July. Uh, even, I mean, there's enough room here. We could probably keep six feet of space between everybody <laughs> and still have a pretty good party. So, yeah, you know, <laughs> let's keep our fingers crossed. Right? I was thinking about that the other day. I was just like, oh man, when 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 Cindy and Andy finally have their like housewarming party, it's gonna have this like extra weight of like, uh, like. I think it's going to have this extra, like, I think there's going to be some gravity there of like, Hey, we can all hang out. And I don't know. I, I, I I'm, yeah. maybe I'm romanticizing it, but I, I am very much looking forward to it. Cause I know how, I know how important the community aspect is to both of you guys. And, you know, and geez, let's just talk about how long it took to move all your gear from one place to the other. Like your whole house yeah, was, was, a, a, was a studio. <laughs> so we, <laughs> We we set up Mort in the kitchen nice. area. So we are, the first the house has three levels, and the middle level is is the kitchen with a little sitting area. Mm -hmm. And there's a perfect little wall space there for Mort. So um, that's our massive dot uh, com system, and uh, it's great because you know we'll be cooking dinner and we can be like patching and cooking at the same time. And it's pretty awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. So, <laughs> Yeah. And actually, Andy's going to be doing a live stream as part of uh, the Modular Nights virtual edition that's coming up. Oh, cool. Um, I think it's April 4th. It's, it's like in a week or so next okay. weekend. Um, so he's going to be doing a live performance with Mort from here as part of that uh, event, which, which I think will be a lot of fun. And it, it's going to be really interesting to see how that works out, having everybody do virtual sets from wherever they happen to be, you know, but I, I think it's great that it's happening. So I'm excited for that. So there are still things to look forward to, you know, uh, it's just a lot of it is, you know, you're gathering around a screen to watch your friends play music instead of seeing them in real life. So yeah. not quite as good as the real thing, but you know, there's a lot, there's a lot going on. People are still working on music and using that as a way to kind of deal with everything. I mean, I know it's a very stressful time, uh, for a lot of people. And I think music is a great way to 
relieve some of that stress. So definitely. And I'm so, I feel so like, I mean, not that I'm like up any part of this aspect of the Seattle scene, but I feel lucky and, and proud of the scene. And, uh, well, I guess more lucky that we have people, um, you know, like the whole monster planet crew, um, like you guys who, who have this technological side of it down for like the streaming aspect of it, you know, like, um, Justin and, and Bradley and then all, like all you guys who know, who have just, you've, you've, you've been building and just like fine tuning this, this crazy, um, the odd cast world and, and how like the whole live streaming thing. And you guys are just doing such good work with that. It's really, really cool. And yeah, we're lucky to have some, you guys with those skills keeping us kind of connected. And, and I just, I love that, that, that the Seattle scene is close enough to where we're going to, we're going to weather the storm together through like virtually, which is really, really cool. So thanks for being a part of that whole world that, that developed this and continues to do it. Yeah. You know, I think that's one thing that's going to come out of all this is it's really going to push the envelope as far as a uh, lot, not just live streaming in general, because that's something that everyone benefits from. So, you know, whether you're just talking to your grandparents or having a virtual birthday party or whatever, but, uh, you know, performing with other people and, and cl like keeping a clock, uh, the software up to now for doing that has really been not all that great. Mm -hmm. And I feel like very quickly we're going to see even in a matter of weeks, uh, real big improvements in the tool set that's available for people to collaborate musically online. And it, it's something that, you know, I've seen some groups dabbling in this over the years. Um, and there are a few commercial products out there, but that's going to be huge. I think from here on out, because, um, I, you know, now I, I think it would be cool to have like a chat roulette type, uh, thing where you could, you know, jam with like a random person by just hitting like find a person that's you know got this kind of tag you know jazz or modular or whatever right. on their profile and i want to i want to play with that person right now in real time and have it recorded and if we could have a system like that that we could all sign up for or whatever i feel like something like that would be awesome that's a really interesting so, idea some ideas you know yeah that's an interesting <laughs> we've been idea thinking about yeah. And, and really like the, I, I feel like even if you asked me two weeks from now, I probably would have a much better set of tools to recommend, right? Mm -hmm. um, rather than just the usual, like doing Google Hangouts or Skype or whatever. Uh, I feel like it's going to happen pretty quickly. So that's, that's a good thing that's coming out of all this is better online collaboration tools for musicians. And uh, also music education, I think is going to be really it already was kind of moving in that direction um but music lessons online and and ways to better kind of curate that content and and provide that education is also going to be uh much a much bigger thing now yeah i've taken so. advantage of that um because i'm my school closed down a while ago and actually uh hannah's work told her that she's staying at home. Luckily they're paying her for now, but we're still on half a house income. So I've been doing, uh, I've been doing yeah. modular lessons via Skype and it's actually been a whole lot of fun. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah. Yeah. So I want to hear more about how that's working for you. I'm, I'm curious, like what are, what are some of the challenges that you've had to face or, you know, well, how, how is that going? Um, as of right now, it's going great, but I, I have right now had, I've had five different lessons. And so 
I've, I haven't done a second lesson yet. So I haven't really done, ran into too much technical difficulty, but it's kind of shaking out to where I'm not teaching anybody who doesn't know how to patch. You know, I think it, there's okay. been various levels of skill and, 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 um, synth size between everybody, but I've kind of, it's kind of just shaked out to be roughly the same type of thing that I basically, what I do is I have them send me a picture of their synthesizer, tell me how long they've been doing it and tell me what they're trying to get out of the lesson. And so I look at their synth and okay. I, and then I develop a line of questioning for them about their synth and about particular modules. And then we have a conversation and I, I kind of think of, um, like a hat, like a loose idea of what I want to, um, have them do as like a homework assignment, but then I let the actual lesson inform that. And then after the lesson, I take, um, it's actually become more time consuming than I thought it was going to be like outside of the hour that we spend on Skype. But then I, I spend like probably another hour looking at their setup. And what I do is I, I imagine I, I write up what I'm calling a patch recipe. I basically patch their system in my head and then write it all out for them and then give it to them as a homework, a piece of homework. Oh. Cause I think what I really, oh, cool. it's really, yeah, I think it's going to, I'm and, and then it's kind of going to take it from there. I'm going to have you know, them send me a recording of the patch they made out of it and some patch notes and then, you know, um, just some of their feelings about it. And then I'm going to look at that and base the next lesson off of that. So I actually, I actually have my first second lesson coming up next week. So we'll see how that goes, but I'm thinking like what I have to offer is, um, is kind of just like the opportunity to get them out of their own head because I'm not teaching anybody how to patch a synthesizer because they know how to do it. I'm basically saying like, okay, you would do this. This is how I would do it. And then it kind of gives them a new way to look at it and then they can take what they like and then, you know, keep what they liked about their own thing, kind of do a hybridization. So that's kind of how I'm thinking it's going to go. We'll see. Yeah, that's actually, I mean, I think it is easier when you're working with someone who isn't an absolute beginner to modular I think yeah. it would be challenging because you'd constantly be saying no not not that hole the other hole you know like <laughs> yeah. it, it's like you're trying to teach someone right like ABCs of patching like right. it's like it might there it might be challenging but um if you're just kind of taking it up a level to a more semantic like concept of a patch and this is how I would do it I would run this into that and you know you, you're not you're not on the ground level mm -hmm. trying to provide instruction to somebody like at that very fundamental, like, I don't even know what I'm doing. Like, how do I even plug this thing in? Like, yeah. I think it might work a little better. Although there is a lot of demand though, for people who are beginners who are looking for instruction. And right now they're not able to get that anywhere else. So right. I almost feel like we need to come up with some better ways to, to provide beginners with instruction and that's just a challenge that we all have right definitely. now definitely you know? i'm i'm like and for anybody listening who might be in that category i'm totally open to trying that out i think what i would do see what the what makes it difficult with modular it like it's it's not a guitar so i can't just say hey practice this scale so everybody's gonna have a different setup and i think the challenge of a well, the challenge yeah. of it is having everybody have a totally different setup. Like the, the difference between the pictures that I've been sent between my different students has been insanely vast from like a, a 6U40 HP setup to like 
uh, 20U, 164 HP. You know, it's just like, whoa. Um, so I think that's a, that's a challenge. But I think for any beginner, I've, maybe something like using VCV rack together on over Skype, you know, you each have it open or something like that. I, th I think we could get creative oh. with it. Um, cause that way you, you could yeah, have the same setup. Yeah. Yeah. VCV rack lessons would be awesome actually. Cause then you could just share your screen and like, Oh yeah, that's a really good idea. Actually. We're just giving away just, all of our teeth, our secrets. Started, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think, I <laughs> I think uh, because, you know, I've, I've only been doing this, you know, just shy of three years. Um, once I think I do it a whole lot more than the average person, only because I'm doing it every day, like multiple hours a day now. Um, mm -hmm. And I think You're another professional. Yeah. <laughs> I think another advantage I have is I get, I get to play with a lot of different stuff. So I, I kind of have like a, a pretty decent idea of what's out there. So I'm kind of thinking myself as not so much as like a, a tech, a technical teacher is more of like a, a creative consultant or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think that's really with modular more than guitar or a lot of other, you know, instruments or ways of making music. I think it's, that's really a service that's valuable because it's almost like you're sometimes, for, faced with too much, too many options, right? Definitely. It's nice to have somebody just give you like that little, let's like, I would make this patch. Why don't you make it something similar and see what you do with it? Cause right. even with the same patch, different people are going to do totally different things with it. Of course. So, Absolutely. Yeah. And know, I always that, tell people, watch somebody else fun. patch your system and you'll learn something, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, totally. So, I guess, uh, where, where have you been at musically? I, I mean, are you kind of like, is, I know this is a terrible tragedy and everything that's going on, but I know how busy you are. Has this, has this alleviated anything like that? Is this quarantine thing kind of like giving you a break? Cause you're probably one of the most hardworking people I know. Yeah. The timing of this whole thing was, uh, very, um, very interesting because I, you know, as you know, I quit my day job at the end of January and mm -hmm. bought this house. And, uh, the idea was that since I wasn't working, you know, 80 hours a week anymore, <clears throat> now I could really, you know, work on an album this year and start performing again. I haven't played out for a few months. Um, you know, I was gone for most of the November taking care of my mom and then, mm -hmm the holidays happened and then moving. And so, um, that said, uh, you know, I, I have been working on a few things getting and getting the studio set up here. It should be totally set up by midweek. I think this coming week, uh, I, um, I've been doing a little bit of just kind of playing around playing with Andy. Uh, he's got a bunch of stuff set up, you know, kind of, we have the Wurlitzer and he'll play drums and I'll play on the Wurlitzer and, you know, oh, cool. but I feel like I'm really, it, it, it's unfortunate because I was, I was like, okay, now I'm really ready to start booking some shows, you know, like I'm ready, uh -huh. let's yeah. do this. And then, you know, this happened. So, <laughs> uh, the last, um, yeah, I actually had a couple shows that I was tentatively booked to play already, but they were kind of a ways out and may still happen, but you know, I, I'm really ready to start playing again. I'm ready to work on an album. I have a feeling that with, you know, being home a lot more and not having, you know, the nine to five job anymore, I, I think it probably will end up being a pretty productive year for me, despite the stress and the distraction of everything that's going on. Mm -hmm. Um, 
maybe that anxiety will help, you know, influence some of, of what comes out musically this year mm-hmm. for me. I, I, uh, I don't know yet. It's, it's hard to say, but as soon as I'm able to, I would love to start performing out again and doing more, doing more shows. And, you know, I, I think that's going to be a priority, um, you know, once we're able to get back out and see each other again. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm really looking crossed, forward to that. You know, I mean, yeah, I just just before uh, you know everything kind of came to a grinding halt, I did uh, pick up a couple new things. I got an Ableton Push oh, cool. too, uh, and I'm learning that right now, um, which is a good project for me. I, I I've always wanted one and thought, well, it's be a good chance to get away from always just staring at the screen, you know, and having the mouse in my hand. So it'll be interesting to see how that impacts my kind of workflow and and what what happens with that. And of course I'm still learning how to play guitar and enjoying that kind of just different way of thinking about things, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, and helping me with that. So, I mean, you know, it, it, it'll be an interesting year for, for everybody. I think musically, like I, I think some really great music might end up coming out of this because people are, you know, they have the time, but also there's, there's this extra, you know, shadow of anxiety that's yeah. driving everybody. There's going to be a, a lot of dark ambient albums released in a few months. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'll be, one, maybe one of those will be mine. We'll <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like picturing you, like t- talking about playing guitar and getting into push. Like I'm picturing you in a live setup right now with a push, a guitar, um, like a six U modular system and then a giant row of five U like, like, and then set like a keyboard on the side, yeah, like sure. making that work. Like, but, but seriously, like, is that, that kind of where you're headed? Me. Yeah. Cause, cause you've always kind of done like a hybrid system, um, right? Like five U and a Euro rack. Yeah, I, those I've done a lot of, yeah. I've done a lot of stuff with uh combining five U and Euro rack and, and it, I mean, you have to kind of obviously just experiment and see some things mesh well and some don't, but, uh, it's worked pretty well for me performance wise, cause we have like a little small case for, I can just put some five U modules in there and take it out and play. That's, that's one limitation of five U is just the weight and the yeah. size of it is I prohibitive. Love, also you say so, a small case, but yeah. it's probably the size of like, like what, <laughs> like how big is a small, how, how big is your small five U case? Like as long as a guitar, probably like a foot and a half wide. <laughs> It's about three feet by three feet <laughs> would be like the minimal, the minimal size of yeah. case you want to take out. Like a, that'd be like one or two voices, you know, like yeah. basic, no, no bells and whistles, just super basic. So yeah, that, that is a challenge, but, um, I'm, I'm okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm excited that you're, you're getting yeah. stoked to play more yeah. and make more music. Cause like you're one of my favorite people to watch cause you're, you're, you're a wizard. You, you, like, I remember the last time Josh, oh, Josh Lim and I watched you play, we were both just kind of like sitting there, like geeking out, like pushing each other, like, Oh my God. Like we were just, Josh is my favorite person to geek out with at shows. But yeah, you, I just, uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to you getting out and playing more. Well, yeah, I, I am too. And I'm looking forward to seeing everybody yeah. play, including yourself. And, you know, I, I miss everybody. I really do. Like it, you know, it's been, it hasn't been that long it's since the last modular nights where I got to see a few people, it's been almost a month, but to go almost a month without seeing people that you're used to seeing, you know, pretty frequently is it's something. 
you know? Yeah, especially so, here because there's like three different this, groups. Uh, you know. Yeah, let's hope it passes soon. Well, yeah, we'll see what happens. But I, I, I like the yeah. optimism and the and the the idea for all the the technological advances you were talking about earlier. I hadn't really thought about that, but yeah, it, this will be an interesting time to see what comes of it that way. And yeah, I've been trying to think of it kind of in a, a, a positive light too. You know, like maybe this will shine some light on, you know, just the the structure of society and maybe not putting as much important mm-hmm. importance on certain things and. And, uh, yeah, hopefully there will be some sort of great enlightenment out of this. Yeah. I mean, one thing to think about is how this is going to impact, uh, people's feelings about healthcare and whether healthcare should be a more centralized, uh, you know, whether there should be more centralized healthcare programs, which in this country, there's always been a lot of resistance to, but this is a great example of why a centralized healthcare system actually can be a big advantage, even for things like tracking data. Mm-hmm. Like we don't even yeah. have a really good system centrally for tracking really important uh, information about what's going on in, in doctor's offices and hospitals. And I mean, I could go on about that for, for days, but I, yeah, I think that might be one thing that comes out of this is kind of a, renewed interest in a centralized healthcare system. And also I think people are going to have a much greater appreciation for, you know, the healthcare workers, delivery drivers, and people who work in the grocery store and are really putting themselves out there on the front lines every day and, and, you know, risking their health to, to keep all these essential services up and running. So I Mm -hmm. think an, an increased appreciation of what those people are, are contributing is, is, is going to be a good thing as well. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Not not to. I don't want to diminish the hardship that that maybe even someone listening right now could be facing because of this. Um, but I, I'm I definitely don't think it hurts to try to imagine the positivity that could come from it as well. So yeah, mm-hmm. we'll see what happens. But um, I I kind of wanted to pick your head. Just like, could you? I, I want to talk about velocity a little bit, just because I haven't had you on to talk mm-hmm. about it, and um, like. Other than this stuff that's happening, is it? Do you can you say whether or not there was gonna be a velocity? Is gonna be a velocity twenty twenty or? Yeah, sure. I can talk about that a little bit. So you know, obviously, for the last few months, we've been tossing around ideas. Uh, you know, deciding do we want to do another one? I mean, obviously, we do. So that's right. a, a no brainer. But um, yeah, we actually had come pretty far in terms of, uh, you know, securing venues and dates and, <clears throat> you know, having, having a, a commitment from the core team and, and some of our, our volunteers had already committed as well, uh, to, to make it happen again. So, and, and, you know, we still, we still are committed to doing what we can. It may end up being scaled down a little bit just because of circumstances. I mean, we had plans to scale it up, to be honest. And, yeah. Uh, you know, now uh, we don't really know what October, which is when we were going to have it, uh, we don't know what that's going to look like. So there's a couple of considerations. So one consideration is the fact that all the festivals and shows that were canceled uh, this month and, and through into next month, are a lot of those are being rescheduled for the fall. So oh, right. there is going to be a greater density of events happening. Um that in itself is not a reason to not do it. It's just something we have to think about. Like, and also, I mean, the most obvious issue is we have no idea what 
September, October is even right. going to look like yeah. in Seattle and in the world. Right. So mm-hmm. that said, I mean, I feel like even if it is a slightly scaled down event, uh, I'm still committed to trying to do something. Um, we're just playing it by ear right now, uh, waiting another month or so uh, to see how things look before we start reaching out to you know, our artists and, and volunteers and, and getting the ball rolling, uh, which you know does put it in a bit of a crunch if we were going to do something really huge. But I think if we bring in a few key artists that have already committed who really want to do this and come to Seattle and then, uh, you know, having some of our local artists and, and regional artists come and perform, we could probably put something together and, and make it happen. So I, I think we'll have more updates on that as it gets closer to the end of April, early May. Uh, that's probably when we'll make like a, a go, no go decision. Um, but yeah, we're, there's a lot going on behind the scenes there. So we're working on it. Cool. Well, I'm, I, yeah, I, I mean, obviously with all the, the stuff going on, it's, we'll, we'll see what happens, but I really hope that it works out where we can do something again, because I'm just like, I'm still, I'm still blown away with what, what you guys pulled off. And my question to you is, were you able to enjoy it at least? Cause you were working so hard. Were you, were you able to, to sit back oh. and enjoy part of it? Or was it like a retrospective enjoyment of it? Or oh. <laughs> Absolutely. I enjoyed every minute of it. Oh, good. And, good. and that was the great thing about having the team that we had was it, you know, it wasn't like I had, I was stressing out the whole day, not having fun. The, like, it, you know, I would run around and, and take care of some things that needed to be taken care of. And then there was a lot of time for me to just stop and pop my head into, you know, a room where, a great performance or workshop was going on and just absorb it for even just a few minutes and, and just really enjoy, enjoy it. So Mm -hmm. yes, I did get to enjoy it, but I, that the only reason I was able to was because we had such an amazing volunteer crew and without their help, uh, it would have been much more stressful for, uh, those of us who were kind of uh, organizing everything. Uh, So thanks to all the volunteers for just being amazing and, and allowing us to like maybe give some direction and then take a step back for five minutes and go and, and just like, a, you know, get to see some of the performances we wanted to see or whatever. So right. I, I feel like we all shared the, the responsibility of, of running the, the show day of uh, really well. And, uh, you know, when you have that kind of experience, it definitely makes you want to do it again. So, yeah. 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 You got, I mean, the volunteers, I was just blown away by that, but just your patchworks crew, like you just have such a great crew, like all your, all the employees. It's like, you guys really are like this little unit that has a very like family. Uh, I don't know. I just, I just love it. You have such a, it's just such a good crew. It's such a nice experience going in there and to have everybody like just come together to pull something like that off. Like I, I just can't imagine how proud you must've felt after it was over. I was, and you know, we couldn't ask for a better, a better team. And, and the thing I loved is that I saw everybody pushing themselves kind of past maybe the limit, the comfort zone a little. And, (laughs) and out of that now they have, they developed these skills that they're now taking out and using to throw their own events, um, you know, and, and, and they're making more content and, and being more confident about, 
you know, yeah, we, we pulled this off. I, I could do something like this, you know, myself. And, and now I have the skills. I know how to organize an event like this. And I can see that already being reflected in, in the community, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I'm excited about that, you know, and, and all those things, just because we're on a, a, a temporary hold right now, as soon as we're able to start back up again, like everybody's going to be twice as determined, you know, Yeah. to do, yeah. to do more. Events and the attendance and, and is really, going to be crazy. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, we, we, we will make it out of this time and, and the community will be stronger for it, I think. So, yeah. Hell yeah. Well, I'm, I'm now, happy now to hear that. We really look forward to, you know, I'm like, <laughs> Oh, I really want to, I want this to happen sooner rather than later. But, yeah. yeah. So with your setup right now, are you set up to possibly do a patch challenge and, and send me the recording um, later on? I could make that happen. I'm actually going to be doing some setup work tonight. Um, so yeah, throw something at me and I'll, I mean, not this, in, not this instant cause I'm sitting outside, but I, right. I can, uh, well, get I'll get your words. You. I'll get your words at least. All right, I'm let's using, do it. I'm using the patch challenge generator. Uh, these, this is sometimes it's, oh, I think this might be really good because this might actually sum up what you are currently looking at from your porch. Contemplative scene. Right. <laughs> well, I definitely have a contemplative scene. Uh, <laughs> up I wish I, I wish our listeners could see what I'm, where I'm sitting right now. It's quite epic. I know from We're all the pictures I've seen. Hill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so there's a, the property is on like probably like a forty five degree angle from <laughs> you know top to bottom, and and it looks out over this valley that is uh, quite quite scenic. So I will, uh, and my studio is on the top floor, so it has a, a balcony that looks out. It's, it's you don't want to be afraid of heights up there. It's actually quite. <laughs> um, I'll send you a picture, but when you stand on the balcony and you look straight down and it, it, the, the whole hillside just kind of drops out underneath you. So, yeah, Oh, pretty, from the pictures I've seen you guys post, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I can't wait to get out there and, and hang out and check it out and have some, some barbecue and beers oh, yeah. out there. Yeah. Well, you know, like I said, it, you know, when we get back to uh, seeing each other in person again, this would be a great place for a get together because we have plenty of of space to uh be outside and and ensure that that social distancing right yeah right <laughs> awesome well so, thank you so anyway, much that's, that's a great patch challenge i will uh <laughs> i will get you uh uh something that uh takes takes those words into consideration and Sweet. uh yeah thank you so much and congratulations on two years of Podcast. It's wonderful. Thank you very much. Yeah, and uh, everybody listening, don't forget that the online store is still open, so go to patchworks.com to, to help support them if you can. All right, let's check out Cindy Reichel's Contemplative Scene.
All right. Thank you, Cindy, for joining us. That was a fun hangout. I can't wait to hang out again in person. Um, and please, if you are looking for, uh, you know, modules to buy online, go to patchworks.com, P-T-C-H-W-E-R-K-S.com. They are still shipping orders uh, as of the time of this recording. Um, so, yeah, let's get into some more patches. This one is from host of North Beats podcast and uh, one of the founding members of Peaked SF and longtime pod mod bod, Corey Luna. Thank you so much, Corey, for submitting your oracular elucidation. All right. Thank you, Corey, for sending that in. Remember, he has the North Beats podcast. And that was just a snippet of the, uh, the patch he sent in. But as I said in the beginning, there's a lot of patches to get through, so I only could play snippets of them. The next one comes from Chris, a.k.a. Helper Monkey, H-L-P-R-M-N-K-Y on Instagram and SoundCloud. And uh, I hope you don't mind for, uh, for me outing you here, Chris, but Chris is one of my modular students, and it's been really cool uh, getting to know him and, uh, and uh, doing some, some patching with him via Skype. So let's check out Helper Monkey's Oracular Elucidation.
All right. Thank you, Chris, a.k.a. Helper Monkey, H-L-P-R-M-N-K-Y on Instagram for submitting your oracular elucidation. Let's get to the next one. We'll do one more before we get into our chat with Ian. And this one comes from Ryan Dunn. Ryan, thank you so much for submitting your oracular elucidation. elucidation. I like that one, Ryan. It has kind of a Stranger Things feel to it. A very spooky vibe. All right, let's get into this chat with old co-host Ian. You love him. You remember him. We uh, we get a little weird, but I think ultimately it's pretty dang entertaining. Uh, so yeah, without further ado, hey, what's this button do on Instagram, aka Ian Price? Uh, I have a lot of love for, <laughs> um, for native plants of the Americas. And a lot mm-hmm. of love for Southwestern cuisine. And mm-hmm. I, 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 I moved back. I grew up here out by Black Diamond. And then Washington I moved. State. Yes. It, it might surprise you. It was a coal mining town. Yeah, I've been up to that, that, sha- that mine shaft that you can go and walk and stand on top of the grate and drop stuff in it. Yeah. Just, I really loved growing up next to the mine shaft. I have to tell you that. Yeah, uh, I bet. I I moved down to Arizona and I got I was living uh, up up north and I got hooked on um, New Mexican food and um, and uh, food 
that Hopi friends fed me, and I came back up here and I had a problem finding it. And so years ago, in like 2009, I started roasting my own chilies, and I'd spend three or four weeks doing it. As long as I could get New Mexican chilies, I would sit outside on my porch and roast them on a barbecue, which is a painstaking process, but it was a nice thing to do. And um, so last year, I actually got a roaster and I'm trying to put together a line of products. You know, I don't know what's more interesting for a modular synthesis podcast than talking <laughs> about food production, but I'm very, I think it's fascinating. And I think, you know, people want to hear what you've been up to. Well, I think there's a few facets of this that I, I want to impress on people. I want to make present ingredients that you cannot find mm-hmm. easily outside of the Southwest, such as quality pinion nuts, such as quality red, blue, purple corns, such as uh, there's a lot of heirloom corns if we're really going to get into it, um, uh, such as, uh, well, the best chilies possible and not just general New Mexico chilies. I want to bring in Española, and Chimayo, Hatch, and uh, Lemitar, and every chili that you could think of that you, if you've ever been to the Southwest and gone down that path. And so Pappy's is going to uh, be roasting chilies and presenting products, hopefully at a storefront in South Seattle in the next year or so. And I plan to make this a way to spread these ingredients throughout the country. Now there's people that roast green chilies and hatch chilies and send them around they do stupid shit, like put them in jars and then pasteurize them. And then you have this chili that tastes like shit sitting in a jar that you just paid 10 bucks for. And you're uh-huh. like, what am I doing with my life? Why didn't I go back to school? I can't cook for myself. I'm a grown adult. I don't think a grown man should be able to not cook for himself. That's just a disaster. As you see right now, there's people, they're not cooking for themselves. What are they doing? They're eating chips and reading their Garfield anthologies because everyone hates Mondays. <laughs> everyone loves lasagna and everyone's sad. Right, and if everybody hates Mondays and no one's going to work, is every day Monday? Right. Is that That's kind of a glass half empty way of looking at it, I the, feel like. Does every day feel like you're starting a uh, long stretch of heartbreak? <laughs> we were, we were uh, I saw Groundhog's <laughs> Day. Groundhog Day was on uh, Netflix, and I was like, do we want to watch that? That's kind of what we're living right now. Maybe we shouldn't watch Groundhog Day. Anyways, so what's you, the name of this business? This this business that you're Passion that you're Pappy's to... Pepper Palace. One more time. Passion Pappy's Pepper Palace. Passion Pappy's Pepper Palace. Now, you started getting into this, what, a little over a year ago when you started buying all the, what, you bought oh, two the, industrial the... freezers and a... I mean, yeah, the business particularly, but, um, but I've right. Been that's what I mean. That's what I mean. All these chilies for a decade now. Right, but you got you you took it to the next step by buying industrial. Like your your garage is full of what two two freezers and two industrial fridges, like yeah. kitchen fridges. Uh huh. And then you got your pepper roaster. And describe the pepper roaster because it was, I was very fascinated a, by it. It's a big. It's a stainless steel cage that you shoot flames through. Yeah, it's got, it's got a flamethrower built onto it. Yeah, it's and it makes the best smell in the world. There's nothing like roasting oh my green God. chilies. It's this combination of like soup and weed and spice. Yeah, that's a good way. Yeah, you know, you when you had that, you had that party uh, last summer when you first got the roaster and all the stuff, and you were roasting batches of chilies, and you had all these different sauces made up that people could buy. 
That was one of the funnest parties I've been to. That was definitely one of the funnest like food-centric parties I've been to. And you're right. It smelled so good. I helped you roast some chilies, and it was really fun. And yeah. those sauces that you made were some of the best gosh darn pepper sauces that I've, I've had. And I consider myself a pretty serious sauceman. So, yeah, yeah but I'm I think looking uh, forward. people who don't know Southwestern food conflate enchilada sauces and chili sauces and roasting right. sauces and, and fuck off. I, well, you know, you're I, a grown hey, ass man. You should be. I know, but yourself. hey, you hey, let's let's about... be com- let's be compassionate to those people because before you, I was the same. You made you made Hannah and I a couple New Mexican meals throughout our friendship, and uh, you, it was it was new to me, you know. And like, but and one of the reasons you're doing this is because you can't find that kind of stuff up here. So you know, you got to be a little nicer to the people who don't know. Well, you can do whatever you want. It's a free country. <laughs> it was. Uh, <laughs> It was. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Mm. Well, I'm. You know what I'm really looking forward to, Ian. Trying this Tomino looking, next time you come over. Yeah, I want to definitely try that. I'm looking forward to when all of this pandemic shit blows over and we can have a little passion pappy cookout again because oh, that was a lot of fun. And oh, the burgers! So you made you made this. What did you put? Did you put like that? That you made this queso and you put those on burgers, and it was one of the best hamburgers I've ever had in my life. Well, yeah, and about um, uh, I'd say about a fifth of a pound of hatched chilies on top of the burger, ensconced mm-hmm. in a melted pillow of cheese, and then I won't give you my secrets uh, that I put into the burgers. Ooh, you put something <sighs> into the burgers. Oh yeah, I mean, no, okay. I, I, listen. I'm a grown-ass man. I cook for myself. I know what herbs are. I know what some exotic herbs are. I do the right thing. <laughs> You've mentioned that you're a grown-ass man a couple times. Fuck yeah. Um, very happy to hear that. Um, <laughs> um, also, I, what, what was the name of the, uh, the really earthy uh, red sauce. It didn't have a lot of a bite to it. It kind of had an earthy thing to it. It was one of the more popular ones. I think I put that on my burger. Oh, what well, was that? that that was made out of the um, the very uh, sought-after Chimayo chili, which is grown in the uh, town of Chimayo, outside of Santa Fe. It's considered oh. an heirloom pepper that is only really found in this one valley. It doesn't grow well elsewhere, and if you want to be a real asshole... You know, it's like wine regions. You grow this pepper outside of Chimayo, it tastes totally different. Chili peppers are interesting in a few ways. One, they're easy to interbreed. And so the species of chilies that are out there are almost all man-made, except for certain ones like the Chimayo, which has been um, been grown as an heirloom variety essentially since the 16th century. Now, in addition... Um, there was a lot of secret things in that that are not typical to red chili sauces. But I've got my little glare. I'm a grown-ass man. I spend my time <laughs> testing out recipes, taking care of myself, chopping wood. I'm gonna soon. I got an axe for my birthday. Do a, Ooh, do a I want to come chop wood with you. You know how yeah. much I love chopping wood. That's right. I want to come help. Let's do it. I also, I wanna, I wanna get in the kitchen. I wanna be your, I wanna be your sauce, your, 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 uh, your sauce boy. I wanna help you make sauces. I'll be your, your right hand man. Yeah, yeah. Um, what else? I was gonna. So okay. Well, so you say that you know, with with chili peppers, if you grow them in different places, maybe don't taste the same. 
I know that, you know, southeastern Washington and parts of California are really well known for, you know, their their vineyards and whatnot. And I know that I don't know the case of northern California, but I know that the case in southeastern Washington state is the reason it's there's so many wineries there is because the soil is just so good for growing grapes. Now, is how much does the soil content or, you know, like the, the nutrients in the soil, how much does that affect the, oh, that the taste it. of the chilies? affects it greatly for one reason. I would imagine if so. If you're yeah. in a wet region, then the flesh of the chili pepper can grow a lot thicker, as can the skin. When the skin grows too thick, it's hard to separate it from the flesh. And on larger mm. varieties of chili or uh, uh, more mild varieties of chili in general, the skin is going to be thicker. And so if you want to roast it, you want to eat it, it's going to taste like water down. It's, it's going to taste like a bell pepper if there's too much water. In addition, you need really alkaline soils, which are not... Uh, common on their own so if you grow these outside of an area with alkaline soils they will lose out on the uh, they will not create a lot of the compounds they would otherwise the membranes can be a lot smaller the membranes are where the capsaicin is actually stored so if you are uh, in an area that doesn't have very alkali soil uh, you will have a milder less tasty chili and let me say this this oh, is wow. one of those reasons that when people say oh i don't like to taste heat i like to taste flavor that's some bullshit that is so stupid i can't <laughs> believe that that is still like hey now hey now easy day. easy because i it's I've... not it's not it's not it's not this dichotomy it, it's it, they have it all backwards well yes hotter much, chili, much you're like... actually creating more compounds and it's just that you need to be able to withstand the heat in order to feel it Right, that heat right. Also but much like boost. everything, it's a spectrum, right? Uh, okay. It, hey, you know, not everybody can handle the heat. I'm one of those people. I'm a little sensitive to spicy stuff. And I saw something on, like, PBS when I was a kid. And the reason there's, you know, people can handle it and some people can't is is the uh, how many taste buds. Like, taste buds are either, like, little clusters on your tongue or it's like a carpet of taste buds on your tongue. And it, there was a, a direct correlation to, with people with more uh, space in between their taste buds and clusters on what? their tongue who like spicier <laughs> foods. So do the research. That is not what I learned from Lamar Burton. Hey, I'm a grown-ass man, and I do my own research. Um, you, you mentioned capsaicin, which is funny that you – you, well, it's not funny. Okay. But just for the listener, that is actually what – triggers the heat response in your brain it's actually not hot it just triggers the same part of your brain that hot things do and that's why they say food is hot it's actually not a temperature thing just just a little scientific fact there as well yep okay well we've spent 15 minutes on chilies is there what's you want a final word there's six different types of corn kernels out there Okay, this this blew my mind when I first learned it, and it's still magical every day. There's six different types of corn kernels. You know, popcorn mm -hmm. is one. That's an actual type of corn, and these types of kernels are specific to a variety of corn in general. That they can be crossbred, and you can have, you know, fusions between them. Uh, here's the thing: corn silk that comes out of the top of the ear of the corn, right? You know, corn silk. Yeah, that's you know, where their sperms are. That's where the sperms are, and the eggs. That's where mm -hmm. the that's that's how they 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 get it going. When you open up an ear of corn and there's missing kernels in there, it's because those kernels didn't hook up. Those kernels did oh. not mate with a with the, the with a neighboring. Now plant. I was told this. 
Go ahead. And so they didn't grow. The kernel itself has to be pollinated by the silk, its own stamen, in order for you to get that kernel. Now, I learned, and I, I don't know if this is true, but this is some, something that my plant biology teacher told me when I was an undergrad at Central Washington University, um, that domesticated corn, the corn that you see as you drive through eastern Washington off the side of the road, um, it actually, it's been so, it's been so uh, artificially selected that it, it wouldn't breed on its own without human intervention. Does that have you heard that anything about that? That does not surprise me at all. Ninety-nine percent of the corn that you see growing as you drive around America is not something that humans could eat on its own. It's generally right. used for cattle feed and um, and, and for the sh- production everything. of yeah. It's used in producing fabrics. It's used in creating plastics. The all sheen on a magazine, you pick up a People magazine or an In Touch magazine, because I know that's what everybody listening is reading out there. Um, that sheen on that magazine is actually a corn byproduct. Corn. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're really uh, packing it in with the information here. Um, so one thing about this, heirloom varieties of corn have pretty much disappeared. Corn has a bad rap because of mm-hmm. the way that it's grown, but it is... It is responsible for a large swath of civilization as a whole. Where Absolutely. corn flourished, people flourished. Where people went, they brought corn, and that's why the Incas, we're alive today. The Incas, right? the Mayans. Every, yeah. Go throughout Latin America all the way up into Canada and look at indigenous cultures, and corn is the basis of most of it. Well, you know what I really like is that Incan corn that you can get from Trader Joe's. It's like, it's like uh, corn nuts, but... Bigger and not as hard. It's very tasty. Mm-hmm. It's almost like um, it kind. They kind of taste like Fritos. You know the chips. Mm-hmm. I sure do. Mm-hmm. Hey, um, I have to go pee because I drank a big old cup of coffee. I'll be right back. All right. All right. Thank you so much for your patience. Um, okay, so we've got hey, we've hey, got corn hey. we've got corn and chilies out of the way, right? Any final word? <laughs> so, I mean, I feel like anybody who's been curious as to uh, you know, I've, I've had a lot of people email me even even two years in to having the show going. People email me say, "Hey, I'm I'm just catching up." I'm just starting on the show. And then inevitably, you know, a little bit later, they get caught up. And they say, where'd Ian go? So I feel like this is a good 
you just everything that you just talked about this this is a, a great way to really inform people what you've been up to since you were uh, my co-pilot here tim you've been around what have i been up to no i know i just thought the listener would. <laughs> I... um but like you may not be with me on the podcast every day but we still see each other very regularly um yep we're, we're bros we're bros we're t- we're tight we're tight as heck um Tell us a little bit about your re- your your great return recently. My great return. You re- you performed you performed live music for the first oh, time in five that years. Old thing, sure. And you know it was the last. You know if that was two days later, you wouldn't have been able to do it because of this outbreak. So you 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 got to get one more performance in before <laughs> before everything shut down. I'm 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 happy that it turned out that way. I, I am I am too. I, I used to perform all the time around Seattle in the Northwest. And I threw shows for many years at a fantastic, uh, I, I would call it a beacon of Seattle nightlife, you know, known as Rebar. Um, mm-hmm. uh, where we met. Which, that's right. Rebar is uh, w- uh, one of the many places in Seattle that's struggling right now and trying to figure out how they can fundraise so they don't go under. And they're in a precarious spot where they are in a one-story building that in the last year has had 35-story apartments get built on three sides of it. Yeah, so, it's it's so crazy. And that and creme work right around the corner, another staple of electronic music here in Seattle. And it, it used to be this part of town that you didn't have a lot going on, but yeah, it's just like... Unless you're the, a big the, corned beef fan, yeah. Right, yeah. That's a great little sandwich shop there. Mm-hmm. So... I, I threw shows out there for many years, focusing on uh, uh, the Reflex Records, Warp Records, Marine Bands, IDM, Revival type of shit. And uh, mm-hmm. after a while, I was like, you know what? I just want to relax. Why can't we just have a calm night? So yes, we started throwing shows <laughs> that were all pre-MIDI electronic music, known as uh, Voltage Control. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a pun. If you know of control <laughs> voltage, this is instead of, so it was all music from before MIDI. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I put out many albums. I, I ran a label. I did a lot of stuff and met a lot of amazing artists and really loved being involved in the local scene. And then uh, shit got in the way and then scraping the shit off, getting it out of the way. <laughs> And yeah, so first performance in around five years, and first fully modular it. performance. Um, was that the first time you did fully modular performance ever? Yeah, I mean, I used to have a little three U rack that I, um, I would run things through, and I, I would do all hardware with a big rack of old, like old rack mount sense, old mm-hmm. rolling shit, and wave stations, and. and uh, loop de doos whatever else. I don't remember. It was a while ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, fun enough. Fun enough. And, you know. Uh, I guess, so you, you throughout the whole time, because you, you, you're one of the people who got me into modular, and you were kind of, you were kind of, I think you'd burnt out on just the whole music aspect of your life, and you were kind of, you know, settling into other things. You bought a house. Um, you got a new, like, a new relationship with a great person and uh you know you, you just had a lot of stuff going on but you know you you bought the house you guys just got settled down and you started kind of getting a little you never fully got away from it you were kind of always still like 
piecing together a rack, but you never played with it. But I feel like lately, I don't know, how would you say, like three or four months you've been you've been messing around with it a lot more? Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. I mean, I, I'd always play with it. <laughs> yeah. I'd always, I'd always play with it late at night. I'd wait for Jesus everyone to go to bed. I, it's true, though. It's, I mean, I would, I, yeah. I, I, it, it really wasn't something I stopped doing. But what I stopped doing was... Um, exerting enormous amounts of control composing music and mm-hmm. um, and I think that if you have ever had some if you've ever been some level of artist saying that in quotes artist with mm-hmm. uh, OCD tendencies and spent years working on a piece or a song or something along those lines uh, you either drive yourself crazy over time or you <laughs> find a way around that. And I needed to find a way around that. Mm-hmm. I was really happy with the music I made. I felt like I was uh, doing exactly what I wanted to do, achieving exactly what I wanted to achieve. But uh, I got fucking sick of it. Yeah. Well, I mean, putting on shows the way you did and running a label with you know multiple artists and everything, like that's a grind. So I think, you know, I think you just, I think you needed to take a step back and, and kind of just like let yourself kind of unwind from that for a while. Yeah. For a long time, we were throwing shows every two weeks and all of us regulars, uh, we we would have an hour to hour and a half of music to fill with the residents of the night. And you were expected to um, create and perform wholly new music that had never existed before as part of it because we were just we were just masochists. That's what it was. That, what, what were we thinking? <laughs> so every two weeks, we'd fly someone out, and we'd pick them up, and we'd put them up. We'd show them around town, and we'd lose a few hundred bucks, and we'd, mm-hmm. we'd promote, and we'd perform. And, oh, it just took over everything. And, um, you know, if you're a young person out there, and you're like, that's the life. I want to have a completely unbalanced life where I only focus on one thing. Uh, mm-hmm. You should try it. <laughs> all right i want to all right i'm going to ask you uh two questions and you can pick one i either want to hear like because having having artists come in flying in and then driving them around that could either result in a really great story or a really horrible story i'll let you choose anything crazy happen or uh, yes. anything crazy awesome happen yeah okay so um i'll tell one story that isn't specifically about driving an artist around, but mm-hmm. we uh, we had Silob come and play. Silob was on um, Reflex Records. He's still making amazing music. He is self-releasing uh, most of it these days. Really wonderful fellow that makes bizarre, aggressive music. And mm-hmm. picked him up at the aer- airport. He had flown out uh, from Berlin. Picked him up at the airport. And one of my buddies was with me on the way. And so we, we drove out to the airport. We pick him up and we're in the car for 30 seconds. And it's obvious that Silob does not, is not a particularly talkative person. So I turn <laughs> on my stereo. And the first thing that plays is Tiny Tim because I'm that <laughs> asshole that listens to Tiny Tim when no one's around. And it was a song specifically called, um, I'm glad I'm a girl. <laughs> and it's a duet with himself. He says, oh, gee, uh-huh. I'm glad I'm a girl. 
something something some cliched shit da, da, da. and then mm-hmm. he says oh gee I'm glad I'm a boy so that came on right away and it lasted about 10 seconds where I was like <laughs> that's so he, you let it go for a full 10 seconds yeah something like that yeah, it's, wow. it's a really awkward song now because mm-hmm. it is both like somewhat enlightened and totally off the rails we drive him <laughs> to rebar the first thing that happens well we, we stop off at his friend's place he has a friend in seattle and he's staying with that friend he drops off his stuff we go there and he's at least 40 at this point mm-hmm. we are trying to enter through the front door and the doorman at rebar won't let him in because he left his passport back at uh, at his friend's apartment oh, like shit. oh shit so we go back we get there come back out and um he plays an amazing set later on in the evening but it's interrupted. We have... Rebar lets these shows go on till 3 a.m. Drinking ends at 2 a.m. And um, about 1.30 a.m., they stopped really checking people's stamps at the door. Mm-hmm. Two guys come through the door. And they were probably at a metal show at El Corazon down the street. Mm-hmm. They were looking to start some shit. So um, they were trying to start a little pit... Oh, jeez. During a Psylob set at Rebar in Seattle. And if you, that's one of the goofier sentences that you may uh, <laughs> have heard if you know what all those things are. So, yeah. <laughs> so they're knocking around. They're, they're knocking into people. And um, there's a wonderful artist. He's a designer that has made art for albums. He has released music on Detroit Underground. Um, his name is Jerry Abstract. And he pushes one of the guys back when they slam into him. And they immediately take out pepper spray and spray him in the face, point blank. And as someone else tries to step in, Greg Skidmore, another wonderful Seattle local who has moved on to the bright, sunny skies of Lander, Wyoming. I've been to Lander. That's a whole other story. I was there for doing paleontology in grad school. Hmm. Yeah, that's a whole other story. Wait, well, the, so, so it's clear that these guys were looking for a reason to use the pepper spray. Yeah, yeah. And they were they were what I would call sad boys. Like the same guys yeah. that right now are going around town making loud vrooms, um, angry that something was canceled off of Adult Swim. Who knows? They've got all sorts of <laughs> shit to be angry about. Uh, <laughs> what we know is they're lonely, except when they find mm-hmm. each other in this very tumultuous world. So, that was beautiful, Ian. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. So they spray a bunch of people. Um, Jerry uh, Abstract, Greg Skidmore, uh, and they uh, run out of the front door. As they do it, they are spraying forward, and the doorman what? was this um, really nice fella, ex-Marine, tough as shit, and they spray him in the face, and as they spray him, you can tell he's hurting, but he just takes out a baton, uh, an expandable baton from underneath his podium, and just whips it, and you hear click, 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 and he swings, and one of them ducks, and he misses him, but he's he's blind at this point. Mm-hmm. They run out the door. We have to shut down the club for, like, a half hour, and he still comes back and finishes the set. And the thing about um, a Psylob set is it is intense and builds the whole time. It never really lets up, except 
except for like an occasional barn animal noise. So mm -hmm. just a rejoinder to that story. We had Sidelob back another time a year later. We were and and he uh, put out an EP named Pepper Spray with a song called Pepper Spray about his experience that night in a way. No um, shit. Yeah, and he <laughs> recorded it in Seattle the next day. It's a fantastic oh, wow. song. Go find Pepper Spray by Sylob. C Y L O B. The next time we have Sylob out, it's about a year later, and we have uh, an artist play with him who was living in Portland at the time. Her name was Hecate. You may know the name Hecate. What was her name? Sorry. Hecate. You Hecate. One more time. Hecate. Hecate. Okay. She is known for recording an album with Venetian snares that was just the sounds of them having sex. Not my cup Oh, boy. She's a little bit of an intense personality. And <laughs> I just want to add this to the story. You can cut it all out, but holy shit. What a fun time for Silub. Um... <laughs> So Hecate comes up, and <laughs> wait, wait, Portland, wait, what? Hecate comes up from Portland to play, and Silob is out for Berlin again. Mm -hmm. uh, this is 2008 or so. If I had to guess. So um, Hecate plays right before Silob, and her writer, her requirements for playing that night were that she gets a full bottle of Jack Daniels. And a four-pack oh of Red Bull. And we were like, all right, shit. So she gets it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and she chugs all the Red Bull. And then she's chugging Jack Daniels on the floor, which, uh, out of the bottle. Bad scene. Mm. Like, go back to the green room, be your shitty self. She takes off her, her shirt um, and is yelling into a microphone and, you know, making noise. And people like noise sometimes, you know? Like, if you... If you this is part of her performance? Yeah. Yeah. It's, okay. Yeah. A lot of noise. Mm -hmm. And she gets wasted. And after she's off, um, and there's some half hearted clapping, Silob goes up and he is playing a set that shows a countdown of how long until the set is over. That's uh -huh. part of what he's doing as part of this. So there's this timer uh, clocking down. And Hecate starts yelling from the audience, Hey, Silob, you ever done acid? Because he's made some acid tunes. Uh, as an acid techno. Mm -hmm. And just being an absolute pain in the ass. She's wearing a cloak. Like, hmm. a cloak and no shirt at this point. Like, fuck, why did we do this? So, um, so, uh, my, my, my partner's in the night. Eric and Yeo uh, escort her out. Rebar is like, you gotta take care of this shit. She can't be doing this. They escort her out the front door. And she's yelling at Silob the whole time. I would say it's the yells and insults of someone who maybe is having a uh, struggle with mental illness and, um, and drink doing everything they bottles can. Of Jack Daniels, maybe? <laughs> sure, yeah. Uh, <laughs> she she is led out the front door, and Eric and Yeo had the foresight. They called a taxi so it was there so that they could just push her into this. Her friend is there with her, and um, and he's not saying anything. And as she sees the taxi, she turns around, and she's like, no, 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 close the door. And her friend closes the door, and she 
uh, recites a spell to put a curse on Rebar. Hmm. Now, 11 years later, Rebar is in financial trouble because of the oh. expansion of Seattle and the coronavirus. So what do you think of that? I was waiting for the Tiny Tim song to come back. I thought you were going to say Psylob played the Tiny Tim song during a set. <laughs> oh, gee, you're jealous of me, and I see the reason why. It's because I'm a girl. I'm so glad I'm a girl. So am I. It's really creepy shit. Well, I just looked it up, and yeah, there's a 2010 Psylob uh, pepper spray. It's a couple different versions of it. Maybe I'll Listen throw a it. little snippet of it into the show. And support um, Psylob. He's an amazing artist that is doing his own thing still. He had built his own software to make music with. His music sounds like nothing else. I suggest everyone support Psylob. Oh, I'll check it out. Maybe I'll bleep out the uh, the other artist's name. Just <laughs> Nah. No. Fuck that. <laughs> uh, I guess when you come up and make a scene, you gotta, you know. I guess, yeah. I don't know. I'll think about it. Um. So, well, we're we are uh, we're almost forty minutes into this. Um, I wanted yeah. just to, just to. Uh, I mean, I I just wanted to talk to you basically. But one of the things I wanted to to hear you just kind of talk about is. Is what what was that what was that new that set that you played like how how do you think your set went because as a, as somebody in, that was in the audience I thought you did a really great job it, it was uh it was very dynamic and it was very fun and uh, I know you were kind of uh, I think you and I are kind of similar when we book performances we're kind of like the days leading up to it we're like oh why the hell did I do this I wish I wouldn't have booked this show you were kind of you kind of had a little bit of a <laughs> going about it oh yeah but you ended up having fun right. I had a great time, and as soon as I started playing, it felt good. But yeah, mm-hmm. the the ability to relax during um, during any of this is lost on me. And I think all the years of being high strung and putting my own money and shit, my own uh, well being into making music happen. Uh, I guess that is not the foundation for a healthy lifestyle. <laughs> so you're saying that because you weren't the one throwing the show and because it was, you know, it was a modular night set, it wasn't like something that you were like trying to promote heavily. It was just kind of a, a no, really no, no stress thing. And you were able to enjoy it. No, no, no. That's not what I was, saying. I thought it was a mistake. I thought it was going to be a disaster. I thought mm. there was no reason to get involved with this stuff. And I will say, in the music world, I have met enough terrible, dangerous personalities. Um, I feel like it can bring out the worst in many people. Uh, mm-hmm. That uh, there is a fear of even dipping my toes in too far to that world. So, right. Um, and that's not to say anything about the people at Modular Seattle awesome all the artists well i was going to ask do you do you sense a difference between this this kind of new newly constructed group of people forming this scene here around you know around patchworks and modular nights and stuff well i think i think that scenes now have hashtags that's one thing i've learned (laughs) (laughs) god damn i'm a grandpa aren't i Uh, yeah you're passion pappy Mm -hmm. no i i think 
I think people are, are very cool. Um, you know, I think any of this world, there's going to be egos and toil and difficulty, and there's also going to be really sweet people and very appreciative people, and, um, you know, great. That's the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, I so, okay. I so think you're... the people that are throwing the modular Seattle stuff are really doing a lot of selfless work. Really? Definitely. Yes. Yeah. They're, they're busting yeah. their ass. Yeah. Um, so you're, you're dreading it. You're dreading it, but you say the moment you started playing, you started to, to relax and have fun. Yeah. Okay. So number one, you know, I've fucked around. I, I, this, there's a lot of percussion sense with what I'm doing now. I, I love analog percussion sense, FM percussion sense. And, mm-hmm. um, and back in the day I had a, collection of vsts and electron boxes that i would use for this shit this is the first time i played on an actual system and as soon as uh as sounds from say the ssf entity based drum and entity percussion kicked in and the audio damaged neuron um these different modules that i've only messed around with in my own house as soon as I heard that through the system, I was like, oh, shit, this is, this is crazy. This is intense. Wow. I went into this yeah. set trying to set up as many dominoes to kick over without having any real idea where everything was going. And so mm-hmm. then I actually had fun kicking shit over and making a mess out of songs and um, really just trying to uh, grind ideas into the dirt as much as possible and destroy speakers. The first well, show it's funny I you saw, say that. Because that the way you just described that, had I not heard the set that you played, I would have been like, yeah, that's exactly what I would accept, ex- expect out of you based off of what I've heard you play and, and just what I've seen you do patching wise. Um, but it's but but having seen your set, it kind of surprises me that you it felt very structured and intent like you, it felt like there was a lot of intent with every move like you you had a lot and it was very percussive and it seemed like you it seemed like it was yeah it seemed like you had a lot of intent with it and where it went so that's that's kind of interesting to hear you say that it was kind of the opposite of the way it came across to me thanks buddy you know what you spend enough time messing with phrasing it starts to become like a putty (laughs) 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 really like you know it if you spend a lot of time playing with the structure of songs and albums you just want to mess around with it and you're kind of obsessed with that aspect i think it, it it really can be a positive thing and i when i was younger that was what i was obsessed with in music more than any chord progression or any melody i was interested in what the song as a whole how it developed that sort of thing and mm-hmm. um and i'm not the only one uh i don't know i right. i feel like that is something that without I, I think that's something that you is hard to grow without spending a lot of time playing music with other people. Mm-hmm. And I am happy to hear that you said that. That's very nice. I don't know if I'd agree with you. It's sweet. That's great. Glad you enjoyed it. It was loud. Yeah, it was great. I loved it. And I was so happy to hear that you had fun. And it's funny you said that Like once you started playing, you felt better, because that's exactly how I am. I'm always dreading it until the moment the set starts, and then I start feeling pretty good. Mm-hmm. But, hey... My computer is about to run out of space as I'm recording into it. Oh, buddy. So what's the final word here, Ian? Thank you so much for coming back on the show for episode 100, by the way. Oh, I always like talking with you, buddy. 
And um, way to make a kick-ass podcast that is beloved around the world. Remember when you were like, I want to have 50 listeners and I will be so happy. (laughs) And if I reach that goal, my life will be just great. (laughs) Do you remember that? I do. I do. And then you moved up to 100. If I can get 100 listeners. (laughs) (laughs) Way to go. I think you surpassed all your goals. And um, I did. Glad that you were keeping it going. Yeah, thank and thank you so much for helping me get started. I don't know if I could have, I wouldn't have had the courage to talk to people without you because I uh, I was just so new to it. I didn't. I was I was nervous that I would sound like a total, just a total noob. And I wanted I wanted you. You were you were my little safety blanket starting That's out. Right. So I uh, will be your yes, shield so and your you. muscle. <laughs> so thank you so much for that. <laughs> sure. Next time that you feel sheepish about something like a crime or a dangerous adventure. Let me know, okay? <laughs> I like dangerous adventure. Um, maybe we'll take the camping trailer out somewhere into the mountains and uh, bring a generator. And Let's go to Nighthawk and dig silver. Yeah, I'm down. You know what? It's funny. I, I never put this together just as one closing thought, just to kind of wrap a whole, just, just to tie a bow on this whole thing, mm-hmm. is we both grew up in coal mining towns. Hell yeah. Still yeah, the best that- towns. Yep, that's the takeaway. Thank you so much for joining me, Ian. Oh, hell yeah. Love you, buddy. Love you, too. All right, let's check out Ian Price's oracular elucidation.
Well, Ian, thank you so much for that lovely patch and the lovely conversation. And thank you for helping me start this podcast. Um, yeah, this episode is not over yet, though, because I got so many submissions. I didn't want to do the picking and choosing thing and leave anybody out because uh, everybody worked so hard on their patches. So this is just going to be a really long episode, and the rest of it is going to be everybody else's patch uh, challenge submissions. So thank you so much for doing that, and uh, it's cool to have a really music-heavy episode. So next up, we have the man at the helm of Eurodesk Z and Heavy Water Factory, uh, Jesse McClear. So thank you, Jesse, so much for submitting your oracular elucidation. And please go check out Eurodesk Z's cable hangers and uh, equipment stands. They're, they're really awesome. All right, let's get into this patch. Thank you, Jesse, for sending that in. Um, and please go check out Eurodesk Z stuff. I'm not kidding. It's it's truly it's truly a godsend in the studio. Next up, we have our boy Sam Chittenden, aka Tuesday Adventure. He uh, he made the Patch Challenge Generator website for us, and he works over at Waveform Magazine. So uh, thank you so much for submitting this, Sam. Let's check this out. Oh, 
Thanks again, Sam. Nice work. This is a lot of fun, you guys. Next up, we have Tom from Australia. What's up, man? A.K.A. Squid. S-K-W-I-D. Nice. Very squid-like. Thank you so much. S-K-W-I-D. Squid. Next up, we have Dinorific. D-I-N-O-R-R-I-F-I-C. Thank you. 
dinnerific. That was terrific. Um, yes, thank you. I feel bad cutting these so short, but I got so many submissions that this would seriously be like a three-hour episode if I played everybody's in their entirety. This next one comes from Moduality. Thank you so much for this sweet, upbeat patch here. All right, and this next patch comes from Mark Caesar Rickenbach. Possibly one of the coolest names I've heard, uh, at least this year.
All right, thank you, Mark. I really like the vibe of that one. It kind of had like a, I don't know, maybe maybe my head is just in video games, but uh, it sounds like something that you'd see. Like I just picture Mario in a hammock on an island somewhere enjoying himself. Anyways, we've got one more patch left. Thank you for sticking with me thus far. This has been a lot of fun. And thank you to everybody who has submitted their their patches and put in the work for it. Um, It was really cool to have you all get involved in this. This next one is from Jacob No Fives. The name Jacob No Fives, uh, a.k.a. Little Rectangles. we did it 100 episodes thank you to everybody who submitted the patches thank you to everybody who supports the show by listening or on patreon thank you to all the sponsors past present and future and uh yeah that was a lot of fun i'm gonna stop talking because this episode has been way too long until next week